Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. If you will, grab a Bible and turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And if you are a guest with us or you've come today and you left your Bible at home, uh, you can look around you. There should be a pew Bible. And if you need one, uh, grab that Bible and turn to page 896. And you'll be with us in John chapter 10. Uh, This is our third message from Uh, John chapter 10 as we look at the good shepherd and so I'm thankful uh, that we have the scriptures before us today I'll remind you that uh, the first part of this series we saw where um, we as the sheep were purchased by the shepherd and then the next week we saw that we as the sheep are called by the shepherd and then today uh, we will dig deep into seeing where we as the sheep are protected by the shepherd So we're in John chapter 10. We're going to read the first 14 verses this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Let us pray together. Father, we come to you with hearts of gratitude, saying thank you that we have been brought into the fold. That you came for us, the shepherd knows our name, that he has purchased us, that he has called us, and that he protects us. Lord, if there is any doubt, any insecurity within our own souls today, where we do not trust in Jesus, we not trust that he protects us and that he holds on to us and that he always keeps a watch on us, refresh us today in this great truth. For anyone who has walked into this room today who has a hard heart, a cold heart, a heart of stone, by your grace will you go forth and soften their heart, make it a heart of flesh that they will receive this good news, that they too will repent and trust in the good shepherd. May they be a sheep who was found by the good shepherd today. Lord, we ask that you do this great work through the power of the Holy Spirit. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. 
So today we see that the sheep are protected by the shepherd. In fact, with our new bulletins on the back, we have a notes page. And so I'll encourage you, if, if you're not one who normally takes notes, how about give it a try today. You say, man, I don't have good handwriting, it's chicken scratch, whatever it may be, I can't keep up, or um, is it even worth taking notes? Just, just a challenge, just try it today. Uh, take some good notes, and right at the top of the page, uh, the sheep are protected by the shepherd. And then take that with you throughout the week and go back into the scriptures and study the word. Make sure that what we preach and what we say is true and honoring it to the Lord. Over the last few weeks, we have witnessed the humility of the good shepherd as Jesus Christ promised to purchase his sheep by laying his life down for them. Then we beheld the authority of the good shepherd as Jesus Christ faithfully calls his sheep by name. And today, we behold the bravery of the Good Shepherd as Jesus Christ protects his sheep from surrounding danger. Maybe you want to be brave today. You want to be that brave person who is always ready and willing to defend the weak. That you will always stand up for what is right. That you will be not scared and, and run in the opposite direction when there is danger. Maybe you have thought through scenarios that if something were to ever happen, that you would be that brave one to run into the burning building or to the car wreck, and you would be there to, to help, that you would not stall, that you would not delay. You want to be brave. Maybe you want to be brave when it comes to fighting the spiritual warfare that we face every day because we love Jesus. What I want to assure you today, that if you're going to be brave, then you must first understand that we have a brave shepherd. And I want you to take hold of this brave shepherd today as we look into the scriptures. And I, and I hope that you would trust in him with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all of your soul, with, with every bit of your strength. You would trust in the one who is truly brave. See, the bravery of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, as he protects his sheep from surrounding danger. So number one, if you're taking good notes today, the good shepherd protects his sheep from thieves and robbers. Verse one again, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Sheep pens within the first century uh, were made in, in different ways. One, uh, you could take sheep into a cave. There's one way in, one way out. Once you're in there, you're surrounded in the cave, and then you lead the sheep out uh, to pasture. Or you could develop or put together uh, a sheep pen within the city. As you lead the sheep uh, through the streets, you take them through a doorway into a courtyard leading to a home. And in that courtyard, there would be high, high walls for protection. And that is where you would keep the sheep overnight. And then you would lead them back out of the city to pasture. But what is most common and probably what we see in, in context today is a sheep pen, a fold that is out in the open. Uh, that surrounding the sheep, there would be rocks, uh, briars, natural uh, Things brought together that would create walls and barriers for the protection of the sheep. The only problem is that they would not be protected from overhead. So thieves and robbers could climb over in the middle of the night to snatch a sheep and, and take them away. This is probably uh, the best visual that we can have uh, since we're not shepherds. And since, I, not that I know of anybody in the room that, that keeps sheep on the regular besides Clint, um, but... But you could have a good idea of what Jesus is speaking of. In fact, although this was common in first century, the disciples still did not have a good idea of what he was saying. So Jesus wants to be clear. 
And we know that he wants to be clear because he says truly, truly. So he's not texting and he's not um, using um, exclamation points and emojis so that they can get the point of, of the seriousness of this. And so he says truly, truly, which means in, in modern day language, listen up. There are thieves and robbers that enter in through dishonest and mischievous ways, meaning that they trespass. Now, I was thinking about this. There are two different types of trespassers. There's the trespasser that does not know that they are trespassing. And then when they are found to be trespassing, they are scared and immediately say, I am sorry. I, I did not know that I was on someone else's property. Please forgive me. I had no intentions of coming onto your property illegally. And then you have the other type of trespassers who mean to. And when they get caught, they have no shame. In fact, they, they may run, um, but they're not running because they're sorry. They're running in fear, uh, but yet they intend uh, for all purposes to come back once again. You have people who willingly trespass, who do not care that there are signs posted. They see that they have the freedom to go past this mark and to enjoy someone else's land. If that is you, repent today. But for those who are in first century we see that there are thieves and robbers who would trespass. Their motive for entering the sheepfold is selfish and dangerous, as it is not for the safety and well-being of the sheep. These thieves and robbers wanted to take from the sheep and then dispose of them to make a profit and then get rid of the excess. Just a reminder, Jesus is not just talking about shepherding. He is using this illustration to refer to his own sheep and whom he cares for deeply, while also revealing there are leaders in the world that could care less for the sheep as they seek to establish their own selfish plans and initiatives. There were leaders back in the first century who were guilty of this, and, he, and so the question that we ask are, who are the thieves and robbers? Now, we may immediately go to Satan because, yes, he is a thief. He is a robber. He does steal. He does kill. He does destroy. And we may point out false prophets because they act in the same way. But is that who Jesus is referring to here? And I believe it's not, actually. Not that they can't be lumped in, but I think he's being even more specific. But yet, you read in verse 8, it says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I want you to take notice of this, number one, that just because the word all is used in Scripture, it does not mean every last person who's lived on the earth. We can be guilty of this when we point to Scriptures, especially when it comes to soteriology, the study of salvation, and we say, see, here they say all. That means everybody who has ever lived. That's not necessarily the case, and that's definitely not the case here in verse 8. Because he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Because not every leader who has come before Jesus was a thief or robber. And when we look back in the Old Testament of men like Moses and Joshua and David, the prophets, and Nehemiah, they were not in this classification. So the all, in many cases, is restricted. And it's restricted here. And in this context, it appears to be restricted towards religious scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day. So would you circle this word all... In John chapter 10, verse 8, and remember that just because you see the word all in Scripture, it does not mean all-encompassing. It does not always mean every last person. 
And that's why we must dig into the scriptures and find the context and the meaning of what Jesus is saying. We look into John chapter 9, we see that there were Pharisees, there were scribes who did not like that Jesus healed a man who was blind. And yet, here, we turn to John chapter 10, and he's referring to thieves and robbers. There's a connection being made of the religious leaders. So if we say, okay, the thieves and robbers are the Pharisees and the scribes of the day, then what is the goal of the thief and the robber? Destruction. Destruction. The end goal of thieves and robbers is ultimate destruction. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. How have we seen this played out with the scribes and the Pharisees? Let me give you a couple passages. Matthew 23, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That was not a kind word in first century. It's not a kind word today, but it was a truthful word. Hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It was not enough for him just to say it once. He says it again. For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. What he's saying is your mission statement should be, we make children of hell. In short. But also he gives us this image of men, religious leaders, who are hurrying in front of the crowd to shut the door to eternal life, to knowing God. So the visual we have are men who are running and they're pushing against the door and they're kicking people away from entering in. Yet they are not understanding of this motive. They thought that what they were doing is ushering people in, but yet they only cared for their own glory. Because they were only about their own glory, they were thieves and robbers. They were stealing that from God. They were stealing that from Jesus. All the while, shutting the door so nobody could go through. And he says, but the thing is, you don't even go through the door. You're locked out. You're left out. You're in the dark. And yet you parade, you masquerade around as though you are the light. Another instance we see is Luke eleven fifty two 52 through 54. He says, woe to you lawyers. Now I know we have some lawyers in the room. You just perked up. Anyway, you got to be calling out lawyers. What, what, not just the profession. He's saying those who are about the law. Who were lawmakers, those were the lawyers he's speaking of, that were religious but yet could care less about truly worshiping God as holy and righteous and good and loving. Luke eleven fifty two through 54, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. See, that sheds light into how they take the key and they throw it away because they would lie in wait. They they only wanted to catch people. They only wanted to trick people. They would study the law. They became professionals of the law, but only to trick others, only to make others look bad and for themselves to be made righteous. And yet they even tried to do this with Jesus and they failed every time. But yet they kept coming and kept coming at him. And he says, you know, you have this key. 
to this door, and yet you throw it away, and yet you're left in the darkness, and anybody who would have the hope of eternal life will never find it by listening to your teaching. You are thieves. You are robbers. You're not leading people to the kingdom of God. In fact, you're leading them away from the kingdom of God. I will remind you that he was speaking to religious leaders, religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees seized a position that was not theirs to occupy, displaying an authority absent of truth, leading people away from eternal life into eternal damnation. This is because the Pharisees did not care for the sheep. That's because they did not own the sheep. They did not care for the sheep because they did not own the sheep. So we may ask the question, so, so how did they steal? How did they kill? And how did they destroy? Well, through rigorous rules and regulations, forceful religion, being all about the process, but yet forgetting about the promises of God, being all about rules and regulations and caring less about having a real relationship with God, stealing joy, taking life, and destroying any hope of liberty from sin. I'm reading D.A. Carson's commentary on John. I love what he says here at this point in the passage. He says, if this background is primary, then in the context of Jesus' ministry, the thieves and robbers are the religious leaders who are most interested in fleecing the sheep than in guiding and nurturing and guarding them. So what it means to fleece the sheep and yet not care to guide and to guard and to nurture is that they only wanted what they could get out of people. But they didn't want to lead people. They didn't really want to care for people. What do thieves and robbers gain from the sheep? Money, fame, votes, approval, prosperity. That's what was going on in first century. They were given the approval. They were treated like kings. Because they had all the answers to all the tough Bible questions. And yet they lived a life separate from everyone else. In fact, if anyone were to point to them and say, my, if anyone deserves heaven, it is you. And here would be their response. You are right about that. Do we have thieves and robbers like this among us today? And the answer is yes, we do. Absolutely. Just considering the local church, there are many thieves and robbers who stand up on a Sunday morning and preach, yet their motive is not for the sheep, but in fleecing the sheep. They like that they could stand before a crowded room of people, whether it's just 50 people or 500 people or 5,000 people, and they could receive the applause of men, and people could look to them as one who has all the answers, you could also have a motive that people enter into the ministry for money. And if your heart is for the Lord and, and you want to serve in the ministry, and you're a young person in the room today, or maybe you're older in life and, and God's really working in your heart, and you're saying, well, I want to go into ministry, let me just tell you, the, the worst motive that you could enter into ministry is for money. Yet many people get caught up on money. It's, it's, it's all they think about. And they're more focused on the money than they are the ministry. And yet people enter into ministry so that they can have a nice job, so they can kind of set up their own schedule, 
They can make money, they can be pleasant, they can be happy, and all goes well. There are many bad motives for entering into the role of pastor. And let me just be honest before you today, we always have to put our motives before the Lord and keep them in check. I'm not a man who is above that or beyond that, but I can tell you as I stand before you today, I am grateful, and I believe the pastors on this staff are grateful to be able to serve in this local church to be under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. But yet, don't be surprised when men in ministry and women in ministry fall hard. Why? Because there are many pastors who would go and and teach the Word of God, men who would say they love the Lord, and yet behind the scenes, they're using their position to manipulate others. And this happens all the time. And it's unfortunate. What I'm saying is that there are people who get into this role, and with bad intentions, they move forward in the role of ministry. And yet, it still happens today. It can happen with teachers. It can happen with parents. It can happen with friends who act as thieves and robbers in your life. Like They don't really care for you. They only care about the fleece. They only care about what they can profit from you, how you can help them. But they're not really concerned about how they can help you and pointing you to eternal life. So yes, there are thieves and robbers today, just like there are thieves and robbers in the first century uh, who think of all types of creative ways to climb over the fence and to be approved by man. Jo- good job. Well done, man. You scaled that wall like a champ, man. That's awesome. But yet, as we're going to see in just a minute, Jesus is the door, and he made it an easy access by coming through all of his hard works to have true faith. So yeah, sure, there are thieves and robbers among us today, as there were back then. Verse 12, he is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. One major reason why the hired hand does not care for the sheep is because he does not own the sheep. Because he does not own them, he does not care for their spiritual well-being. But yet we'll see a good shepherd who does care because he does own the sheep. The hired hand refers to the religious leaders who did not share any investment into the lives of the sheep. Power and prestige were their true concern, while lacking true concern for the sheep of the Father. And we read of these wolves who come in, because when there's danger, the hireling flees. He wants nothing to do. He's not going to give his life for sheep that he doesn't own and care for. So when danger comes or when things get hard, he flees. He runs. Who are the wolves? The wolves are the tough situations that we encounter in life. Sickness, persecution, trials. When the wolf comes and begins to chase the sheep, the sheep scatter without a good shepherd to trust him, one that would protect them at all costs. What does the wolf want to do? He, he wants a piece. He wants to destroy. He wants the food. He wants the sheep. He doesn't care for the sheep. And yet we face many tough circumstances where we feel scattered, abandoned, left alone. But I want to remind you that we have a good shepherd who protects us from the wolves. And although we could face physical harm, although we could face trying situations, our soul is kept secure for all of eternity because he owns us. Number two, the good shepherd protects his sheep 
because he owns them and truly loves them. We see verses like verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus rescues his sheep from eternal danger and suffering. Notice that he says, I came. Not only did Jesus come to earth, but he came to find, to rescue, and to secure every one of his sheep. He knows the names of his sheep. He comes to them. It is personal. He is the personal shepherd. I love what we see, a foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Neon lights pointing to the good shepherd coming in the new. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. We have young David who is a shepherd and he's going before King Saul and he's saying, I can go fight that Philistine. I can go destroy Goliath. You let me at him. I have this. He says, hey, what are your credentials? This is what David tells him. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Man, if I were in the background, I'd be like, yeah, that's right, David, that's right. Verse 37, and David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now we've addressed this before. You may daydream of being that brave David who would have gone and slayed Goliath, but we're never David. We're the scared Jewish army behind him. We're timid, we're afraid. We would have never gone and fought Goliath. We could have never beat him. But yet God appoints, he sets aside a shepherd who has protected his sheep. And yet in a, in a large picture here, he's sending forth a shepherd to protect his sheep. But yet it's pointing towards an even greater shepherd to come. God would appoint, God would be with his very own son. And he would go to the cross, and he would defeat Goliath, the Goliath of sin, all the sin of the sheep, so that his sheep would not face the wrath of God the Father. And he took on that wrath. He was the brave one to go to the cross. He is the only one who could go to the cross. It's silly if you ever to look to your loved one and say, would you ever go to the cross for me? Your answer ought to be no. Why would I go to the cross for you? I, that If I went to the cross for you, it would be for no saving merit. Jesus is the only one who could go to the cross. He's the only one who could defeat the Goliath of sin. And he did. He slayed the giant. As I was practicing that, I thought there would be a room full of amens, but it's okay. Okay. Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord. You have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Wow. 
Are you grateful? That just as we have the psalmist here, he says, you have brought me up from Sheol, that we have a good shepherd who came to rescue us from the pits of hell. He reached down, he grabbed a hold of you, and once he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. I mean, you're not just dangling there. He's not playing games with you. He rescues you from the pit of Sheol, from the pit of death. And as we'd see in Later in Psalms, he he sets us upon a rock and he puts a new song in our mouth that we can sing. Jesus came to rescue his sheep. That's why he came. He didn't come just to model a good life for us. No, he came to give his life as a great rescue. Jesus lays down across the doorway. I love this. This imagery that we have in John chapter 10 is one of a shepherd who stands at the doorway. And not only is he the shepherd, but he is the door. And at nighttime, when the sheep are brought in, the shepherd lays down across the doorway. He lays down his life so that if any wolf, any thief, any robber is to ever come at you, they must come through him. He would say, over my dead and resurrected body. You see, being the shepherd's own is not a threat. If you're saying, you mean he purchased me, he called me, he made me his own, he did 100% of what was required for salvation, you mean my faith and repentance is all a reaction to what Jesus and by his grace has accomplished for me? Yes, amen, to God be the glory, but there's not a single sheep that was brought into the fold that came stubbornly and begrudgingly and saying, no, I don't want to be a part of the family of God. But when the shepherd comes and he rescues you and he makes you his very own, you repent and you say something like this, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Amen. Being the shepherd's own is not a threat. We are safe. But may we not lose sight that there are those who right now are not with the shepherd. And they are in danger. These could be your loved ones. These could be your friends. These are people in the community. And they are sheep without a shepherd. We need to go to them. We need to trust that they indeed will repent and follow Christ. We go in full confidence that God will go before us and we'll share the gospel. Because no matter how convincing we are with the gospel message, it is nothing without God's grace. But yet God is good. We can trust him and his work, and we go in the confidence of his grace. But I want to point out something else. While we go to those who are wandering, remember, nobody can get to you unless they come through Jesus. If you're wondering in your salvation, if anyone will ever snatch it away, no one can snatch it away because they have to come through the shepherd. But understand this too. Jesus lays down across the doorway so that we cannot get out and wander away. He keeps us. In the same way that he protects us from outside danger, he protects us from our worst. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, yes, there will be days in which you deal with many types of sin. 
Yet, as long as we're here on this earth, we're still battling with sin, and that's why we're to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. But as we trust in Jesus, what we know that if he is our good shepherd, if he has rescued us, he will not let us wander away. And you're thinking, but yeah, but I'm the exception because I do some really wicked things. I've thought some really wicked things in the past where I've done something that I know the shepherd is not pleased with. But in order for you to get out and wander away from salvation, you have to get through the shepherd first. He's not going to let you get away. Why? Because he rescued you. And he did not come and ask your permission if he could rescue you. He had the permission from the Father, and he came out of great love. Nobody's getting to you, and you're not getting out. And you go, oh, but I want out. Well, then that's a different scenario. If you're not wanting to be a part of the family of God, then there is a true concern for your salvation. As we look at it from this point of view, horizontal, as we are looking at our relationships and the way we live for Christ, if you're saying, I don't care about Jesus, a Joshua Harris situation who wrote a book on I kiss dating goodbye, and you would think if there's anybody who is a saved person, it's somebody who kisses dating goodbye. I mean, that's a hard task, but we were talking about it this morning around breakfast. So what about a Joshua Harris? I mean, who is so devout? Well, he could be devout in legalism. He could be devout in the praise of men when he takes a hard stand, but yet not be devout for Christ. And so, yes, it's easy to wander away because he's not under the watch of the good shepherd. He was under the watch of thieves and robbers. That's a reality. So when we say that there are people who will wander away and you go, oh, I guess you're going to say now that they were never truly sheep. Yes, absolutely. Because if we as sheep can wander away from the good shepherd, then what work has the good shepherd done? Is it truly a saving work? And the answer is yes, it is a saving work. Because number three, the good shepherd stands as the door to eternal salvation. Verse two, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse seven, I am the door of the sheep. Here again, we have this imagery of the shepherd lying across the door of the sheepfold, acting as the door. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. A.W. Pink speaks up on this point. He says, a door speaks of easy entrance and is contrasted from the high walls in which is set. There are no difficult walls which have to be scaled before the anxious sinner can obtain access to God. No, Christ is the door into his presence. If you're thinking, oh, I got to do something more in order to be saved. Is it as easy as repenting of my sins and trusting in a shepherd? Yes, because it was not easy for Christ to do all of the good work, to obey the Father, go to the cross, pay for your sin as your old self was crucified with him at Calvary 2,000 years ago so that he would secure you as one of his sheep and rise from the grave and say, not only have I secured you, but I'm leading you into everlasting life. I've done all the work. Just trust me. Come through the door. But robbers and thieves will say, no, no, you got to do more than that. You have to do much more than that. Jesus did not go and discover life. Like, 
He didn't go find life somewhere, come to earth, discover life, and then gather his sheep and bring them back to the sheep pen of life. No, he is life. Jesus himself is life. When he's leading you to life, he's leading you to himself. John 1.4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 12.46, I came, or I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You say, hold on, you're talking about light and darkness. I thought we were talking about life and death. Yes, exactly, because just as he is light that overcomes darkness, so he is life that overcomes death. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks this question in chapter 11. Do you believe this? It's a question I have for you today, for all of us. Do you believe this? That if you are in Christ, you will never die. You'll trust that he did all of the work. He came, he rescued you, he protects you from any outside danger. Satan will never have a hold on you. No false prophet will never have a hold on you. No man or no woman has to have a hold on you. And maybe right now, there is somebody in your life who has a hold on you. Their opinion, what they think of you, what they say over you matters most, even more than Jesus. It does not have to be that way. Jesus Christ can be your king. He can be your shepherd. And you trust in his voice and trust that he has rescued you. Do you believe this? Therefore, Jesus is the door. Again, going back to something A.W. Pink said in his commentary. I love this. He says, Jesus says, I am the door. He says, there was only one door into the ark in which Noah and his family found shelter from the flood. There was only one door into the tabernacle, which was Jehovah's dwelling place. So there is only one door into the presence of the Father. It's through Jesus. He is the door. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no one under, or no one, or no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 14.6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through, except through me, through the doorway. And what happens when we go through the doorway? We go in and out. There is freedom. Yet when I was speaking earlier that we can't get out unless we get through the shepherd, he's not taking life from us. You may be saying right now, I don't know if I want to follow the shepherd because I'm going to live a life that's constricted and defined, and and yet I want to be free. I want to live my free life. We hold to the word of God. You are here today in a local church that stands upon the word of God, so hear this clearly. In love, you're not free. If you're without Christ Jesus, you're not free. You make decisions, but you are deceived if you think you're making those decisions in and of your own free choice. You are led by sin. In fact, we see in Scripture that Jesus is your Father. He is the Father of every sinner. And yet your only hope is in Jesus. So you're deceived if you're thinking that today without Christ that you're free. You're not free. You're enslaved to sin. You are a prisoner. You're dead in your sins. Yeah, you make real choices every day, and yet you can live in this free country, and yet you can go march in parades that say, we are free, we can make our own choices. But yet, as you look to the Word of God, what you will see is that for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God, and for those wages, we face death. We fall short. We face death. 
We are enchained. We are dead in our sins. Would you believe today that there's a good shepherd and that he has come to rescue you? And it was no merit of your own, but all in his goodness. Would you trust in the good shepherd today and be saved? Why? So that you can go in and out and go into the pasture. What do you do when you're in the pasture? You run, you play, you eat, you rest, you gather together. What do we do as Christians as we're in the pasture? We run, we play, we rejoice, we worship, we gather together as other sheep. And we trust in the good shepherd, we follow him. We eat, we feast, we feast upon his word, his goodness, his protection. True life, true freedom is found in the good shepherd who protects us and secures us for all of eternity. He's the sustainer of life, meaning he's not just going to save you and then leave you. No, he does lead you to a better life. We like to poke fun at that term that it's our best life now, but yet Jesus does lead us to a better life. He leads us to living with greater purpose for the glory of God, understanding why we're here, understanding where we're going, and yet he never leaves us. I want to point out this last thing, and and we will close in prayer. Numbers 27, 15 through 17. I love this. Moses was set apart by God. He had a difficult task to go before Pharaoh and perform different plagues according to the Lord. And yes, he had to have faith. His heart had to be for the Lord. And yet we see God's grace going before Moses' life. And yet, so Moses just wasn't a good man in and of himself or a righteous man. The only way that he could be declared righteous is because he would hope in a one-day Savior as we hope in a Savior that has come. And here's what Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, verse 16, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. Moses knew that if God were to lead these people out of Egypt, but then leave them without a shepherd, that they would be consumed. That they would be slaughtered. And Moses was disobedient unto the Lord and forfeited his right to go into the promised land. And so here he is speaking to the Lord and he's saying, will you give them a shepherd so that they will be sheep without a shepherd? And I love this because what we're seeing are big, huge neon lights that are pointing towards the good shepherd to come. Yes, there would be a man named Joshua who came after Moses, and Joshua did a job well done, but he was not the good shepherd. We read passages like this in the Old Testament, and we rejoice. We praise God because we know that God's hearing this from Moses, and he says, oh, oh, I have a good shepherd. Oh, I have one that's coming. He's going to purchase his sheep. He's going to call each one by name. They're going to respond because they know his voice. And he's going to protect them while they're here. And they'll be protected for all of eternity. They will have a good shepherd. Are you following the good shepherd today? Are you protected by him? Are you trusting in him? Or do you need to repent of your sin today and trust in a savior? Would you look to Jesus? He is the only good shepherd. He is the only way. What must you do? Confess that you're a sinner. That your sin is an offense to a holy God and trust that only Jesus could pay for that sin at the cross. And you trust that he did pay for that sin of yours and that he'll give you eternal life. Would you call upon him today and say, Lord, save me. 
Lord, save me. Are you sure that you're following the good shepherd? If there's any doubt, you want to come meet with us, we're here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you more. Or if you want to check on that connection card, I'd like to know more about following Christ. It would be our great joy. It would be our privilege, our delight to follow up with you and have more conversations. Would you please just check that today? Don't let pride get in the way. Don't say, I don't want to inconvenience anybody. Just check that off. I want to know more about following Christ. Please, would you do that? We've been praying for you. We have been praying for you. You who are struggling with this, you have been prayed for. And we trust that God's going to work in your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, for our time together, thank you that you're a shepherd who protects us, Jesus. And that although we fail many times, although as pastors, as a pastor, Lord, I fail people, you never fail us. Lord, thank you. May our hearts be in the right place. Uh, May we lead effectively with confidence and with bravery because our good shepherd is brave. He is a tough shepherd. No one can get through our shepherd to get to us. And he's also a caring shepherd. He will never let us get past him. He always has a watch on us because he came and rescued us. He made us his own. Thank you for this gospel truth. And having a better understanding of this truth today, may we go throughout this week and live with confidence in the good shepherd. May we be brave men and women who have been redeemed by King Jesus. And may we trust him to lead our lives. And at any place where we try to wander off or do things of our own design, may we immediately find ourselves in a position of repentance, trusting that he is the one to be trusted and that we must follow him. For he will never lead us astray. God, save those who need to be saved today. And those who are yours, we pray that they would grow in confidence today through what they have heard. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.